answer your questions, but you must first transform back to Jennifer. Why? Damn. Not only did they say, say they the visual effects department right. is expensive, they played the Wakandan drums just they to did. make they it. All just, know. They all know. Yeah, what do they know? They know everything. Oh, even the writers, <laughs> do the showrunners. Do they know? Do they know? Do they know? Do they know? <laughs> what, what, what are they cooking? Welcome back to New Rockstars. <laughs> Last Friday, Victoria Alonzo, the VFX head of Marvel Studios, left and with her leaving, raises many questions seen as she was the one that was leading a lot of the VFX upsides and downsides over at Marvel. Also leading a big initiative to bring in diversity in as well. So this means a lot, but like, what does it completely mean for the next Marvel projects? What does this mean for the VFX overall at Marvel? Will we get crazier VFX, better, worse VFX? Also, is this part of Bob Iger's restructuring of Disney? I don't know, but we're gonna get into it all today in this Inside Marvel. This is New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. I'm Jessica Lemons. Here with me is MT and Eric. Hey, what's going Hi, on, Jessica? Hi. Hi. Yeah. Uh, probably the biggest <laughs> shakeup we've seen at Marvel since yeah. uh, the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, she's been there since, like, the first Iron Man, right? Yeah, she's uh, been there forever. And she went from, like, she was pretty high up still working on Iron Man. It's not like she was, like, a set PA like Kevin Feige was or whatever to X-Men. Uh, I think he was a set. Was he a set PA or was he a producer on X-Men? Kevin Feige. He was the producer's assistant on X-Men. The producer's He was uh, Lauren Schuler Donner's assistant, and then he okay. just was the nerd in the room. Yeah, she was like still a pretty high up person in post-production when she was working on Iron Man, but she still worked her way up to work directly under Kevin Feige, and now we don't know if she's, she hasn't, we don't know if she's been let go. We just know that she left. So mm. we're going we're gonna to speculate a little bit on what that could mean just because the future of Marvel, losing and the person that was like the head, head, head of visual effects and post-production has just now left. So there's a lot of questions we have with all these pushes. It's tea time. God, be sure to check out nerdriot.shop where you can always grab the latest and greatest new Rockstars gear right now. You can check out our new line of merch inspired by The Mandalorian season three. Support our channel and check out our great merch options over there at nerdriot.shop. I think my boys were in the Baba Yaga tea. The yes, Baba Yaga. the Baba Yaga tea. Look at that. Um, oh, Reppin' John that's Wick. That's um, R.I.P. Lance Reddick. We love you. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> Papa Papa. And don't forget to subscribe to our newest channel, The Deep Dive. Eric just dropped the Marvel Remove Storylines video in this investigation, and I agree with it completely, wholeheartedly. It is so insane. I was also like, I, when I was watching Eric's uh, the breakdown of this, I was just like, at the very beginning, I was like, mm-hmm, Kevin, answer up. Why is this missing? Why did you take this out? And there's a lot actually in it that involves a lot of the VFX that happened and a lot of maybe what can tie to her leaving. We had we had been working on that one for a couple of weeks and then suddenly this news dropped and I'm like, we got to drop this today. Like this is, it answers all of our, a lot of our questions, but raises more. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's also just surprising how much, for me at least, it was surprising to recognize how much of a lot of the pushing like in dates is because of reshoots or just reshoots because of post-production or visual effects had to be altered. And I was like, cause it's so expensive. It's so expensive. And if you're sourcing not only within house, you're doing outside of this, uh, outside of the Marvel studios, you're doing to freelancers. So it's like so much commotion. You saw what KEVIN said about 
uh, She-Hulk's looks. It takes a lot. Either way, you guys. And if you're planning on being at WonderCon this year, New Rockstars will be doing a live panel this Friday, March 24th at 2.30 p.m. We'll be doing a fun live show completely different than anything you've seen on this channel. So be sure to stop by and say hi. It's going to be me, Zach, Eric, Tommy, and a lot of guests, um, friends and family of New Rockstars will also make a little appearance. That's this Friday, March 24th at 2.30 p.m. at WonderCon. I'll sign Ooh. your baby's head. Okay, now to the meat <laughs> of the discussion. No more signing baby. No more kissing and signing babies. You guys, uh, the people want to know, who is Victoria Alonzo? I made it rhyme on purpose. So <laughs> really quick, I'm going to give you guys a rundown, then I'm going to give you the question. Victoria Alonso has been with Marvel Studios since Iron Man. She was the chief of visual effects and post-production. Then over the years, she worked all the way up to president, physical, and post-production, visual effects, and animation production. That's a long title. And if you're in Hollywood, you notice that after a certain amount of time, you just start making up your title so it looks like you do everything. <laughs> when you do do everything, you just kind of have to bulk it together. Uh, she basically does work directly under Kevin Feige though, so that's a big thing. Now, she oversaw WandaVision and She-Hulk, but she most recently worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. She'll also be accredited as a producer for The Guardians 3, The Marvels, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Echo, and Agatha Coven of Chaos. I don't necessarily want to like speculate on what she did as a human because <laughs> there's there I don't know what what's going on behind the scenes. I do know that there's rumors that like she did make a really hard work environment for a lot of the VFX people going uh working in the Marvel Studios. So if you do want to talk about it, feel free to add on to it. Personally, um I just want to know what does this mean for visual effects overall at Marvel because we know they're under fire like I said earlier for like unhealthy work conditions and labor for the VFX teams of freelancers. So like with her leaving, does this mean that it gives more way for bigger projects to prosper or are we going to kind of get a little speed bump of like momentum to the visual effects? That's such a, yeah, it's an interesting question. And as Jess said, there's just a lot we don't know. We're still waiting on a statement uh, from Marvel as mm -hmm. of this taping. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is the scale of the output of Marvel Studios yeah. drastically increased between 2019 sure. and 2021. And uh, and I'm getting into a lot of debates with people on Twitter right now. Well, still Marvel has bad writing. Well, still Marvel's doing a lot of reshoots. The writing quality at Marvel, in my opinion, has stayed roughly the same. Like the the style of writing, you can't you can't numerically grade writing. You can say maybe you don't uh you don't relate or you don't connect to the writing, but I would say it's still kind of the joke jokey ironic detached style of self-referentialness that has been there since phase 1 when when John Favreau was directing these movies and and Joss Whedon was writing these scripts. It's it's still the same overall kind of style and they did a lot of reshoots on those movies and still tinkered with these movies in post-production. Uh, but what has changed is the scale, and it's really hard to to balance all that. Uh, now, good VFX can be done on streaming. Uh, I think there's some great VFX work that has been done in Star Wars. Uh, I think there's some great VFX work that's been done in Game of Thrones. The Last of Us had some pretty good VFX work. I think there's a lot of people on Twitter who claim to be VFX experts and don't know what they're talking about. Those drafts are definitely <laughs> fake. I can tell. Twitter's it's an like, expert. <laughs> yeah, those giraffes were real in The Last of Us. What you were relating to is its connection to a blue screen. And you think that the thing in front of the blue screen is fake, but no, it's the background that's fake. So people don't know what they're talking about. Um, but what is clear is that it's hard to have all these things connect. If you're going to be directing and producing movies this way that relies so much on previs, you really have to have a tight ship of true believers who all believe and under understand the cause. 
And yeah. you see that at Lucasfilm. Like the artists who work at Lucasfilm are super pumped and super excited. Um, and, uh, and, and are, are really excited to bring things like the myth of star to life at Marvel. I think a lot of people, because there's so much secrecy, they don't know what they're working on. So they're like, you're just asking me to, to animate Ant-Man, a giant Ant-Man punching things. And I have no idea what, where he's going. And I'm just kind of like, I'm burnt out now and I don't know what the plan is. So it's, I think it's a combination of all these things of, of secrecy of the amount of output and the amount of interconnectivity and the last minute requests. Uh, if you go back and watch interviews from infinity war, the VFX supervisor and the Russo brothers and the writers are in lockstep. Like they're excited to work together. Now you don't see that. You don't see the VFX artists on these interviews together. It's all behind closed doors. I think that's a good, uh, a good thing to jump off of too or not jumping point but like good to nail in and remind ourselves that like uh animation and visual effects take so much time and so much hard work and people like eight hours is actually like 12 hours and like 12 hours is actually a week and you're working on just making this movement happen from this person jumping and it takes a lot of teamwork it takes a lot of help and a lot of support and you guys all need to feel like you really want to work on this to put that love and work into it. And that's why I'm like, it, and I'm not a person that understands visual effects. I'm not gonna act like I freaking do. I went to school for editing and every time I had to do after effects, I was so confused at what I was making. <laughs> but, and that's why I'm always like, I don't think it's that bad, but it's also like, you need, I think Marvel does need to give them more time. We need to give them more time yeah. and we can't keep letting directors restructure things. We can't have people last minute. I love the Russo brothers and I don't think they do this a lot, but I know that there's directors that'll be like, nah, we need to cut this and reshoot this. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. You can't fix everything in post. Sometimes once it gets to post, you let them handle it and they have an allocated amount of time before it either goes overseas or it takes them forever to work on it. So I'm like, I think this is, uh, this step is towards something giving Marvel more time on the right. what they have at hand versus blasting out a bunch of things with and forcing people to go from She-Hulk to Wakanda Forever to all these other different properties. But yeah, do you MC, think it's the directors doing? restructuring things, or do you think it's the studio <sighs> having like taken stuff off the director's plate and restructuring those parts? I think it's both. I think the studio is working to restructure things to make it easier, but I don't know if the studio works that closely with the directors because we switch directors so often. Uh, we don't really, like Ryan Coogler, we kept on two. Yes, we did. We keep a lot of them on two, but some of them have only done one movie. Like, uh, what's her name? Chloe Zhao that did Eternals. She'll come back for Eternals too, but right now she only has one. And it's like, we move these directors in and out so quickly, including the series that it's like, we don't have enough time to give them the rundown of what to do. So I think the studio is like, this is what a new, like a director should do, but it's like, not all directors work like that. And you need to be ready for the directors that don't work inside your box to like, just give them a little note. That's just me. That's just me. That's me working in production since I've been in LA that I'm like, yeah, sometimes it gets really hard. And sometimes it's the directors or the EPs that are like, we'll fix it in post. Uh, MT, like, I'm yeah. sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to ask, like, do you guys think that, like, um, because of this this head of VFX sort of leaving Marvel, do you guys think that we'll see delays in, like, you know, Secret Wars, King Dynasty, like all the, like the Phase 5, um, I guess, and maybe I shouldn't go to Phase 6, like Phase 5 stuff. Like, mm -hmm. do you think we'll see delays in, in projects to as they restructure? And She's still a producer for, like, the Marvels for Secret Invasion mm. for Agatha Coven of Chaos. So I think those ones she worked okay. on still. So it's the it's the little ones like Armor Wars, maybe not. 
the ones further down the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, when it comes to what they're credited on, the work that they've already done on these projects, that's more of like a PGA, like a, just like mm-hmm. an industry standard thing. The work you've done, on, like James Gunn still got credit on like Infinity War and Endgame, despite the fact that at the time he was away from Marvel, you know. Um, the, I think what we're gonna see um, we are already in the process of seeing delays. The Marvels already got delayed. Secret Invasion's coming out a bit later than we thought. Loki's coming out a bit later than yeah. we thought. But I think that's all part of a bigger picture that we'll talk about as mm-hmm. we keep going through this episode. But I think what we will see, I think as part of uh, Victoria Alonso leaving the studio, maybe some of these titles <laughs> that they announced for Phase 5 might now be roped in with other things. Like, mm-hmm. rather than see like... I just would not be surprised if rather than seeing an Echo series, we see Echo as part of the front lineup for Kang Dynasty. Um, like, I just, it's going to be hard for them. I think they're big tent poles, Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars. They're going to try to stick to those as much as possible because those are still important dates for Disney shareholders and they're going right. to want to hit those release dates. But some of these Disney Plus titles might now be folded into some of those big tent poles instead of being their own thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's like Loki and it's so interesting to figure out what their tent poles are. Because I would assume Loki is definitely number one or one of them. One of them. I assume Guardians is also another one of them. Um, But they're going to end up pushing. I know they're going to end up pushing Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I think they're not by a lot. It's not going to be like a full year, but I think they are going to push it down the line, especially because like we don't I don't think Blade directly infects that. But I think Blade's going to maybe get pushed one more time and (laughs) some other properties. So see, I think the big ones, they're just like I think they would be less willing to ship those big ones because just an Avengers title coming in May of some year is like, yeah, I feel like they would move everything else out of the way just to hit that, just to make sure that Disney had a good year that year. Yeah. But what we're less likely to see guaranteed to stay in their spot are some of these other sequels, like things like Blade, uh, things like, uh, you know, um, New World Order, like Thunderbolts. Like I, I'd be... I'd be surprised if Thunderbolts kept its spot, but Kang Dynasty didn't. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't have your these little, even those little hiccups for the tinier shows. It's like those people are still going to show up in either Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. So it's like you can't really shift it too much because we still got to keep them. And there was like a rumor that like Fantastic Four wouldn't appear in Secret Wars or something like that. And it was right. like, what yeah. is going on? I think it was Loveness was asked if he was using the Fantastic Four, I think. And he's like, No, they're not really on my plate. But I think, yeah, but now we're also hearing rumors that, like, Loki is going to now factor into, like, the Fantastic Four. Like, I think they're reconfiguring Mm. who their lineups are going to be. And I think that's affecting, like, who gets spinoffs. Like, it's just interesting. We saw at D23 a trailer for Ironheart, and we saw a trailer for Echo. And now I'm looking at the slate ahead, and it's like, does Marvel need both those shows? I'm like, I want to watch both those shows, but, like... I think they're on the chopping block. Really? They could be that it would be what DC did and that's just like DC kind of has this is a bad thing to say and I don't mean it to heart, but DC ha- kind of has the money to lose. I don't know if Marvel has the money to lose like that. Like Bob Iger doesn't want to lose money cuz they already shot so much of it of both those things that it's like to put it on the chopping block, maybe push it. 
but put it on the job. Yeah. I actually we're gonna get into this because the next question is about Bob Iger's restructuring plan, which this completely comes in full swing with. Uh so mm. we'll get back to Inside Marvel, but first we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that help bring Inside Marvel to you. If you're one of those folks that has a yard, you probably are dreading spending your weekend taking care of it. Leave that dread behind and reclaim your weekend. Sunday lawn care can take one thing off your to-do list. Instead of spending time working on your yard with Sunday, you can spend time enjoying it. Sunday is everything you need to get. Get the lawn you've dreamed of. This spring, go to GetSunday.com slash Marvel and enter your address to get your customized plan created just for your lawn. No trips to the store or hauling heavy bags since they ship straight to your home. You just need a house to apply Sunday. You can fertilize your whole lawn in less time than it takes to watch an episode of your favorite TV show. And they can only use ingredients you can feel good about. No harsh chemicals, no long waiting periods, or trying to keep your kids and pets off that lawn. Get those kids off my lawn! You <laughs> simply apply, <laughs> let it dry, and you're back to enjoying your yard, not the kid's yard, your yard. Sunday is easy and affordable. Some lawn care services cost more than $1,500 a year, but Sunday's full season plans start at $109. And Sunday's offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $109, and you can get 20% off when you visit GetSunday.com slash Marvel at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan to GetSunday.com slash Marvel. And while we're waiting for our next piece of sweet, sweet Marvel content, we might as well get a great night's sleep. And for years, we here at New Rockstars have trusted our sleep to Helix. Helix makes premium mattresses and bedding that are custom to fit your needs and conveniently shipped right to your door. Which Helix mattress is right for you? Don't worry about it. Helix made a sleep quiz that matches your unique body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. And based on your different sleep positions and fitness preferences, they have something for everyone's unique taste. And if you sleep with a partner, you can take the sleep quiz together and find something that's the perfect compromise for both of you. I freaking love my Helix mattress. I sleep on it every night and um, it is, it helps me just sleep like a baby. I feel like a, a big old baby sleeper. And the best part about all of this is that Helix delivers your mattress right to your door. It was quite amazing when I got it. I was like, how is there a mattress in this box? Is this astronaut technology? I don't understand. With free shipping in the US. And plus Helix has a 100 night sleep trial. So you get more than three months to make sure that you love it or get a full refund. Helix mattresses have a 10 year warranty and they even offer financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. I love my Helix and I think that you would too. And if you're looking for a new bed, check out Helix. You can click the link below or go to helixsleep.com slash inside Marvel to get 20% off your Helix mattress plus two free pillows. That's helixsleep.com slash inside Marvel. So this is where we're getting into Bob Iger's restructuring plan. Mm, this is where Robert. we're getting into the midi, the nitty, ooh, Robert Iger. We're getting to Robbie Cool Train's restructuring plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned earlier, and we've been talking about it a little bit, the CEO, Bob Iger, who's restructuring a lot of Disney right now as soon as he came back, his like comeback return. They're starting to focus on quality over quantity, and that will reduce the cost on some films and TV shows. So how could that affect Marvel's VFX? and the Marvel Studios overall, because they're not only like doing it, they're not only applying this structuring to just like Marvel, it's also to Star, it's Lucasfilms, it's Star Wars, it's to Disney overall, it's Disney parks. But uh, they did mention a lot with like Marvel, how it's like, these great characters are amazing, but do they need like three movies? Do they need four movies? Maybe we can just go back down to putting them in a one big Avengers movie, which I think, Vosh, you were kind of mentioning with like Echo not getting her own series, but being in the forefront for like Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. 
Yeah, uh, and you know, we, I should just be clear, this is just my thinking. I, there, as far as we know, Echo is still gonna come out as a series. Yeah. Um, but I think what um, what we all have to recognize in terms of budget is even though something has wrapped on production, yes, that's a lot of money. We're talking in the millions that they probably spent on yeah. that. We used, the Hollywood math used to be whatever the budget of some of the announced project is, double it in terms of overall cost because the other half of that comes from the marketing of it. Mm -hmm. um, really, now we're talking about triple it because the other third of it comes from the VFX budget that has to go into it. So even though something has wrapped, you still save a buttload of money if you were to cut. I know I'm thinking like, freaking like a crazy man right now cut these things i'm not making an argument for disney to cut these things because i still mm. want to see them i'm just saying from bob Iger's perspective yeah you cut a lot of cost by not having to like spend all that money on vfx on reshoots on paying these actors to come back yeah. and rebuild the sets and put them on location uh on whatever because the thing is the the amount of money they're spending on the cast of these things they're not paying the actors that much they keep hiring new cast they're not paying tom cruise to be on set it'd be different if it was robert downey jr yep. whose project uh, where you had to pay him a ton at the front end uh it's not the same dealio and i think what uh that's why you're starting to hear things now that there's a mephisto special presentation that works they might have signed a deal with sasha yeah. baron cohen at the front and they have to put him in something and now they're like okay it'll be cheaper just to shoot a special presentation than it will be to continue uh working on editing reshooting these episodes of ironheart to make it make sense and to make it really good that's a, that's why i'm just starting to read behind no, the between yeah. the lines here speaking of like special presentations i think i feel like we might be seeing more of those more so than full shows mm -hmm. um you know uh, because like you know they're less vfx intensive like eric was saying and and it's just like it just makes sense considering that you know like presentations like um, werewolf by night getting like so much praise and like so much love and that's like a short little bubble story and i feel like people like seeing marvel but like they you don't necessarily need a whole eight or 18 episode season where with vfx to do that and i think that we might be mm. seeing more um just really short stories of like here's this new character here's wolf by night here's a, a man thing story here's here's so and so yeah. to like to get more um heroes into the mcu without having to invest in like a full movie or a full tv show so i, yeah. I yeah. i'd be down for more special presentations because i love them i enjoyed werewolf by night more than i enjoyed moon knight Ooh. Like I now I don't know if Moon Knight <laughs> was better business. You got to imagine Moon Knight with Oscar yeah. Isaac, six episodes of it probably got more subscribers on Disney Plus than Werewolf by Night did. But if we're talking about like some of these lower tier series, I like what about like I enjoyed uh, Ms. Marvel probably more than I enjoyed Werewolf by Night. But like, did it do as good a business, you know, as some of these mm. other Disney mm -hmm. Plus shows? Like, if you're looking at it purely from a cold-hearted, soulless <laughs> business mindset, <laughs> if you're committed to releasing some of these titles, could you release Echo or Ironheart as a one-shot uh, mm. special presentation? That's what I think is really difficult to think of. Two things. Difficult to think about with the special presentation, because not only did, like, the special presentation premiere in, like, L.A. on 35mm film, so it's pulling in people that aren't necessarily superhero fans. So would Miss Marvel as a special presentation get as much as Werewolf by Night? I don't know, because it's also... Werewolf by Night was... Uh, 
like marketed as like kind of a horror thriller and it was very violent. So it's like appeasing to an audience that isn't really a superhero audience, but could be because it's a part of the MCU. So it's like that special presentation was so specific. And I think the same would apply to uh, Mephisto, Sasha Baron Cohen doing a special presentation because it's going to be more about like not hell specifically, but it's going to be like not, not metaphysical. What is the word? Like uh witchy. <laughs> it's going to be witchy. It's going to be the underworld. And I think that darkness is what people kind of really get to. And maybe they're going to be following that suit with Werewolf by Night. I think special presentations are cheaper to do for sure. Uh, and we should take as much advantage of them as possible. And then we can release them in small theaters and then they would just be great. But this kind of ties into the third question of in what more ways than one can we see Marvel's restructuring? And because it's going to be like, it's not going to be major things. I mean, I think these like pushes that we're seeing go so far are kind of directly connected to, <laughs> to what's happening with the restructuring plan. I think uh, special presentations will uh, also be a part of the restructuring plan because they're like, Bob Iger's like, we don't need to do three, four, five movies off this one character. We can give you a special presentation or get you like them showing up and appearing as a cameo in another episode. So Koi mentioned that we're going to stick to more grounded things than in space things. And that's why they're giving Daredevil a lot of episodes. And I'm like, yeah, Daredevil probably is a lot easier lot on the budget than like Eternals would be. So sticking to those heroes that are ground fighters that don't need too much, like Werewolf by Night, where everything was more practical of him throwing people, uh, they might actually get into. Michael Waldron being a new writer deal. Like he, they have to go through Michael Waldron's ideas. He's going to be an in-house writer. It's easier to grab him. Uh, Lucas Films, using them for sound. What are other ways that we're going to see them restructure, but maybe that we wouldn't know, that everyone would notice? Yeah. Sorry, that's a big question. And I, I answered uh, like two of them by saying Lucasfilms and Michael Waldron. We're, we're going to see the Guardians uh, flying in the Millennium Falcon instead, um, just to save money. Uh, they already have it on set. I'm just kidding. <laughs> My expectation is that they are going to invest more in the talent that they already have contracts with and putting them in interesting situations and letting a team of creatives just work their magic as opposed to investing in new talent that people don't know and throwing VFX at them. Um, we go back to like, I, I think those are at least studio lessons learned from Miss Marvel from uh, just 2022. Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk. All three had new talent in them. And yeah, people know Oscar Isaac. Not as many people know Tatiana Maslany. Not as many people. No one really knew Iman Vellani. Uh, but all three of those shows, they just threw VFX at these things to varying de degrees of success. Uh, and expected that formula to be winning, and it didn't, I don't think. I I, I don't think that worked uh, with the hardcore MCU fans. It did bring in some new audiences, uh, but it, I don't think it moved the needle with subscribers on Disney+. Plus. But what did work is some experimentation with WandaVision and with Loki. Those are longtime MCU actors, and they partnered them with really talented writers and really talented directors and really talented production designers uh, and came up with some really great... I, I think Loki is, like, anomalistic, I think that was just like they had a great concept for that show. But like WandaVision, I feel like is replicable. That's why I think Agatha Coven of Chaos, Mephisto yeah. and other kind of like cheeky uh, TV history titles like Vision Quest uh, or or Wonder Man could work. Yeah, I agree. I think but it's also my my th my thinking. And this is not logical is what happens when they're trying to leave or they do die? Because even like how we felt with Ant-Man, it's like, yeah, there's a piece of me that was like, I wanted Ant-Man to die at the end of Quantumania. So what happens when our 
the people that have made like a real big indent have to die or just need to leave. And I think that's what we got with phase four was it's like, okay, these stories are kind of wrapping up. We need to get a new bundle. So maybe is that what we're going to be seeing from Marvel going forward? Is it's going to go like up and then down and then up and then down again? Cause it's like, they don't need to add any new characters. We got like seven new ones from phase four. So you're good. You're good for now. Don't add any more, but eventually those seven will go on or pass away or pass the mantle um, 10 years from now. So in that 10 years, are we going to get new characters and just go back down to a plateau? I don't think they have to kill them off. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah. think, I think there, as you said, Jess, there are plenty, there are plenty introduced just in the first year of phase four. Like, I don't understand why they announce an Echo spinoff series before we say Shang-Chi is getting a fighting tournament series. Shang-Chi was such a huge hit. Everyone knew it in September 2021. Why two months later did they're like, before anyone had even known really who Echo was from Hawkeye, they're like, we're going to do an Echo series. That doesn't make sense mm. to me. Like, that's why I think like, Shang-Chi was such a hit. Everyone wants Shang-Chi fighting tournament. Do announce a 10 ring series coming Disney Plus 2023. And you're going to get a huge wave of subscribers. Like, there's just so many weird... I get that you don't have access to the X-Men yet. I get that. But, like, <laughs> you have obvious that. wins coming out of Phase yeah. 1. And, like, they're still, like, we need to bring in different people who no one has any attachment to and give them uh, eight episodes. It's hard because uh, she also... A lot of... Uh, she's been credited of Victoria Alonso for bringing the diversity into Marvel's uh, studios. And so it's, like, did she... I agree. I, I, if I had to choose between Shang-Chi or Echo, I would probably choose Shang-Chi. He was such a great character, such a great movie. But it's like, do you think they were pushing for Echo? Because we don't really have a lot of Native American representation in the cinematic universe. And a lot of Phase 4 is built on diversity. Uh, not even in race, in gender, in, every, in sexuality. And so I'm like, I love the initiative, but it does seem like you guys are uh, jumping before you even look. <laughs> like mm -hmm. looking before you go and push these projects because I don't want Echo to be set up for disaster. I don't want you guys to speed on this before we even have a handle on it. Give her a good platform, give her a good jumping point. And right now it just seems like you guys are just trying to push it out and not really thinking about the story or where she could go perfectly. Yeah, or why not introduce Echo as part as a warrior in a fighting tournament in a 10 ring show? You have Echo oh is God. like a focal character oh. in a Ten Rings show. Pay, team her up with Shang-Chi, and the two of them are fighting in the Ten Rings tournament. That is how you set her yeah. up for success, right? Yeah. You know she's a great warrior. And then give her the show. I, I agree with Eric 100% because like, I feel like, it, like having characters that were introduced in a movie versus having a character that was introduced in a TV show that not everyone watched, like Hawkeye, um, I feel like might do Echo... Um, a little bit of a disservice. Like, whereas if Echo was introduced in Shang-Chi as this badass person, then people would be like, oh, yo, there's an Echo show coming out? Like, let's see what she's all about. And because um, there's more eyes on that character on a big screen versus um, a TV show. So I feel like maybe, I mean, hopefully in the future, um, we'll see like more so of that, the introductions of those characters that do get their own TV show in a movie versus um, um, a, a, pro a TV and project. Yeah, I feel this way about Ironheart, too. Like, you can have uh, Riri Williams as, like, 
the technological competitor in this fighting tournament, and then they each get their own episode. The way Monica Rambeau and WandaVision had her her own episode that flashed back to her past, and it was so great. It's like Lost. Like every episode of the first season of Lost, you flash back to the past. It's like a classic TV structure way to introduce characters. Yellow Jackets is doing a great job of this. I think Severance did a great job with Point of View. Uh, Ted Lasso did this really well with uh, with Nate and uh, giving him certain episodes and able to build him up. Like you can have fighting tournament episodes where each episode you have like Riri flashing back to Chicago and she's building uh, her shit and she's dealing with the hood. And then you can just have like different spotlights each episode while giving putting them in a context that viewers care about. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's so hard because, I mean, we have no notes to give to Marvel that's like, we don't know how it works. We didn't. How are we supposed to know that Echo wasn't going to be as major as... And then these people that come up with these ideas, they come out right after the property comes out. So it's like they... Because the, they shot it, right? And then you get like six months till it comes out. And then you get like four months to choose whether or not you want to go with a second version of it or a spinoff or something else. So you don't really get that opportunity to really sit down and chew on it. You kind of just have to like, should we do it or should we not do it? And it's like, we're going to do it. And it didn't really land for a lot of people. Or not land, but more so like, just didn't give us enough meat. Give us enough meat to chew on yet. Um, so with the final question for this Inside Marvel, overall, you guys, will there be a new Victoria Alonso? Will there be a new head of visual effects? With what we said with Robert Iger restructuring, um, will they just... I, I laugh at this. They can't put Kevin Feige as the head of visual effects. You can't. You can't. No, that's not. No, it's going to be Kevin Feige's hat, actually. No. Um, as oh, the head of the okay. So sorry. <laughs> so sorry. My bad. Everyone knows what's happening with the VFX with Marvel. We all are aware of it. There's no. There's no hiding it. They have a. They're these poor people are working themselves to death making these visual effects for them. Uh, there's so many movies that require so much visual effects. That it's like they need a new Victoria Alonso, right? They like not even oh, yeah, because sure. she left. We need someone else in that position. They can't be. There'll be a bunch of chickens with their head cut off, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there, there has yeah. to be a new Victoria Alonso because, like, at the end of the day, like the VFX department of any comic book universe is the heart of the universe, in my opinion. Because like that, that's essentially the the art of the the comic book, essentially. Um, like without mm. VFX, there is nothing, True. and I feel like. Um, when they do get a new Victoria Alonso, um, that person really has to prioritize giving these VFX workers more time and um, just listening to them and like you just be like, hey, what do you need to give us the best product? Yeah. Um, and like working together with them rather than being like, we need this done by eight o'clock tonight, or I need to see the She Hulk's uh, detail on her face um, immediately. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just like. I just want these people to be to feel happy going to work and not not to feel stressed out because crunch is unfun um, and like I, I just don't like workers being crunched um, in general. So like if there's a new Victoria Alonso, mm -hmm. which there will be because there has to be, um, I hope hopefully they prioritize that. Yeah, I think um, I think we're all probably feeling a bit out of our depth right now because we're talking about like studio business uh, synergistic structure and, and hires and things like that. But I think what they do need is to bring in-house this VFX operation to where you have an artist making the decisions. So they need to hire the head of Weta or the head of Cantina or the head of Frame Store to, to oversee this operation. Someone who is an artist, who understands the needs, who is in a healthy, positive partnership with, this, with the executive team. So, uh, like, 
I think what we really need more than like a new Victoria Alonso is we just need like a new position, a new way to think about the yeah. way this is organized. Um, and so that like yeah. you can bring in Nate Moore and Brad Winderbaum and these other guys uh, and they have like a healthy that position might already exist in house at Marvel. But we need to like what you what you see at Pixar, what you see at Lucasfilm are those artists are working for the studio. They have it in house. So they are all like excited to work on these projects. Um it's uh, like it, it almost makes more sense to bring in someone who's head of stunts, like bring in one of these these stunt yeah. coordination teams in-house so that they have an at mm-hmm. Disney email address and can go to the parks for free with their families. You know, like 100%. stop pitting these companies against each other to be contractors yes. mm-hmm. and make them all Imagineers. Yeah. Yes. They need. I think it's also they need. They have a Victoria Alonso. They need someone in between Victoria Alonso and that. You saw how long her title was. She's not only doing visual effects, she was mm. doing produ- physical production. You need someone else to do the physical production that also has a background in visual effects that knows how to make it work. And so maybe it's just like, restructure Disney. Restructure all you need, but uh, think about your employees first. Okay, that's it for the episode of Inside Marvel. Reminder to subscribe to the Deep Dive channel at Deep Dive NR. Follow me at Lulu underscore Clemens. Follow Eric at EA Voss and follow MT at Mastertainment. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for watching. We'll see you later. Hey, gang, gang.